Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. Hello, and thank you for joining. This was a very special recording. I have been following the polyamory experiment on Twitter for maybe close to a year now, and she has been revealing anonymously her trials, her tribulations, her successes, and her story of her polyamorous life. And I was so enamored by her vulnerability and her willingness to really share parts of the story that, you know, aren't pro-polyamory. And what I mean by that is like they're not highlighting reasons why you should be in an ethical, non-monogamous or open relationship. So that's what I appreciated because what I was finding as my curiosity was developing in this kind of relationship dynamic triune, if you will, is that there were so many pieces of the story, like from books and from other people's perspectives, that didn't invite you in to the challenges, to the self-challenges and to the relationship challenges. And so what you will be listening to today is vulnerable, honest, authentic revelation of a journey of polyamory. And I'm just I'm just super excited. Like this conversation was so fun recorded on Thanksgiving. And so ask me what I'm grateful for. I am grateful for other people who are willing to share their stories and recognize how impactful their experiences can be for other people. If nothing else, not to convince everybody to hop into a polyamorous relationship, but to self-examine how they are acting in their own relationships, to look at and process what does work for a relationship and what doesn't and to maybe re-examine if it's necessary to go back and look at the relationship and look at the foundational pillars and and see if something needs to be changed or edited. What's beautiful about exploration of ethical non-monogamy is that you are it's hard not to offer yourself grace and your partner grace because you're going through this journey together. She is so patient and compassionate when it comes to talking about her story and sharing about what her fears were and what her insecurities were without scapegoating to her husband and making it all about him and and making allegations that it was his fault or that he had forced her, which is, you know, what happens in a lot of relationships when they end. We like to place blame. We don't want to hold ourselves accountable. We don't want to examine our own roles and positions in the relationship and the exchanges and how we participated in it and whether or not the result is our fault as well, right? And that's something that as a society, as a humanity, we just don't like to do. We don't like to admit when we're wrong. We don't like to admit where we're responsible. We just like to focus on other people and and the problem being that they did something wrong. And so jumping into this, one of the things that I just wanted to clarify, we talk about a couple books Um, during the conversation and I just wanted to kind of showcase those books those books were really influential for me they were influential for my guest and I just wanted to let you know about them in case you want to hop on over to Amazon or wherever you buy your books if you're interested in just reading more about polyamory 
Um, so the first book we talk about is More Than Two, and I have discussed it on this podcast in the past. And it was written by Franklin Vo and Eve Reichart, and also with the foreword by Janet Hardy, who is the co-author of The Ethical Slut, which is the other book that we talk about, The Ethical Slut, so the polyamory Bibles, if you will. These are books that have been very helpful to those who are exploring different types of relationship dynamics. And this again, The Ethical Slut is written by Janet W. Hardy and Dossie Easton. And so if those books sound of interest to you, I highly recommend them. I have them bookmarked. I have them loaded up with post-it notes. I've highlighted so much. One thing that I just wanted to share with you, um, because it was these axioms and these principles um, that I'm going to read to you are, are things that we discussed within the conversation. And so this is the Relationship Bill of Rights. And now if you work with me through my erotic embodiment advising, what I do as a relationship coach is I challenge you to duplicate something similar to what Eve Reichart and Franklin Vo wrote in their, their book, More Than Two, A Practical Guide to Ethical Polyamory is I challenge the clients that I work with to create their own relationship bill of rights. And often we don't do that, right? And so this is just a way for us to create a blueprint for the guidelines and the principles that we value and that will help make our relationship run more smoothly, if you will. This doesn't just apply to non-monogamous relationships. And it's just that this bill of rights is exceedingly important for all relationships. It's not exactly a checklist. It's not a box of expectations that you lay out as a contract within your marriage, but these are principles and guidelines that will help you navigate relationships, that will help you ask the right questions, that will help you examine whether or not your relationship is beneficial to you. And so I want to read those to you. And again, with a special thanks to Eve Reichart and Franklin Vo for producing both the book and this Relationship Bill of Rights. So here it is. Principles for ethical relationships. The first two axioms. The people in the relationship are more important than the relationship. Don't treat people as things. You have the right without shame, blame, or guilt in all intimate relationships to... Be free from coercion, violence, and intimidation. Number two, to choose the level of involvement and intimacy you want. Number three, to revoke consent to any form of intimacy at any time. Number four, to be told the truth. Number five, to say no to requests. Number six, to hold and express differing points of view. Seven, to feel all of your emotions. Eight, to communicate your emotions and needs. Nine, to set boundaries concerning your privacy needs. 10, to set clear limits on the obligations you will make. 11, to seek balance between what you give to the relationship and what is given back to you. 12, to know that your partner will work with you to resolve problems that arise. 13, to choose for yourself whether you want a relationship that is monogamous or not, and to seek partners who want the same thing as you do. 14. To have agreements respected and to have the option of renegotiating agreements that are no longer working. 15. To grow and change. 16. To make mistakes. 17. To end a relationship. And in non-monogamous relationships... You have the right to decide how many partners you want. Number two, to choose your own partners. Number three, 
Number three, to have an equal say with each of your partners in deciding which form your relationship will take with that partner. Number four, to choose the level of time and investment you will offer each partner. Number five, to understand clearly any rules that will apply to your relationship before entering into it. Number six, to discuss with your partners decisions that may affect you. Number seven, to have time alone with each of your partners. And number eight, to enjoy passion and special moments with each of your partners. Now, I know that many, 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 many people are adamantly opposed to the idea of an open marriage, to polyamory, to ethical non-monogamy, and whatever other ideas and concepts that you believe fit under those definitions. So this is not a podcast to convince you to open up your marriage. This is not a podcast to convince you that it is okay if your partner wants to fuck somebody else. Because what is more important is communication. And this is a conversation that communicates experiences and a story and a journey for one person in particular. And as I always ask you throughout every episode, in this episode, I ask you to please compassionately consider the perspective of my wonderful, beautiful guest, The Polyamory Experiment. Enjoy the episode. And I have been wanting to talk to you for so long about this. So I was just, I was really appreciative to find, especially that hander polyamory experiment, because I'm like, well, this is the vein of my life right now that I'm exploring that I'm just curious about. Yeah. And so I've been following you and your updates because, so this was a topic that my husband and I just kind of started talking about. We had heard a podcast and a friend of ours had admitted to being in a polyamorous relationship. And we were like, what? And so we were just so curious about it, but he didn't want to talk too much about it. Um, And he just wasn't at that level. And so I was like, well, where do I turn? I want some information on this. This is really curious. And so I don't know if you're familiar with the book. There was a book called More Than Two. Yes, of course. (laughs) Yes. And so I bought that book and I read it and I like absorbed everything like their bill of rights was awesome in that book. And then I found you like shortly thereafter. And I was like, okay, well, this is great. I can just get some information, just, just kind of like settle my curiosity just to see what this is. Um, and just, I mean, for the record, I've never engaged. We have, um, we have talked to some individuals and we have shared our, you know, interest in exploring the idea, but it's just never panned out because I mean, it's a big thing, right? I mean, you're, you're going from monogamy to non-monogamy and then you're like, it feels like the rules are different, but what I'm gathering just from your tweets is the rules aren't that different, right? It's Not about, so much. it's about respecting another person. It's just about sharing love and experiences. And so from that, um, I'm just wondering, can you start out? When did you decide to take this endeavor? 
And, um, like what, what, what was your leading up point to this? What made you and your husband decide, like, this is the route that you want to go. And did you start that way? Or was this a shift and a change in your dynamic? Okay. I'll go way back to the moment where we met actually. So we met as an affair and, um, we became lovers and, um, kind of conspirators. So we had, basically we betrayed our partners Mm -hmm. at that moment. Uh, My husband was unhappy in his relationship. Again, I think that's what he told me. He wanted to get out of this relationship and he was exploring the ways either he was interested in having a long-term affair or even getting out of the relationship, I was also exploring my options because, um, well, well, very long story and uh, go, well, <laughs> let's keep it with very long story because that doesn't add to this topic. So we started and we had also a book. We had a manual yeah. where to betray our partners. It's, uh, it's my now the husband at that time lover who brought it in the relationship and it was called affair and this book starts with the words are you out of your mind you're now probably in an open library he holding this book in your hands are you totally crazy (laughs) buy it pay it (laughs) go home and read it in a secret place and that's how this book starts and it was really a book about how to really have extramarital relationships, but in in a very secret way. And we did it this way. And I noticed back in the time that I didn't feel good. I didn't feel good to betray my that time boyfriend. Um, I kept it totally secret. So also none of my friends knew anything about it. And I knew that for me, I, I, I don't want to have that for life. And then da, 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 we decided for each other. We left our then partners. We became a couple and we married um, five years after. Okay. And after this time, and when, when we were talking about marriage, actually, my husband was in that time before was very thankful that I wouldn't get jealous where he was dancing with other women or maybe looking at posters, you know, during the Christmas time, you see all the, well, underwear stuff. And I was always totally okay with looking at others, dancing with others, maybe also flirting with others. I'm from a Latin culture. So this kind of ciao bella in the streets, I love it. So yeah. not, not the bad cat calling, but you know, that kind of joy of life. So I loved it. And I, I felt that I was very not jealous, but when he brought it up, like he wanted to have, he said, he's not going to promise to be faithful. And I was going like, what? Not. And then I was joking about it a little bit, like, you know, I'm from <laughs> Latin culture, so I might kill the other one at a certain <laughs> point. And I'm afraid we didn't have a very honest conversation about that. So then 
he said he's not gonna swear like to be faithful forever i was going like yeah whatever then i kill her let's talk to the mafia or the rafia or whatever <laughs> and we didn't talk really seriously about it and then a couple of years after he was going into kind of this discussions that he would like to open up the relationship i got to know for instance that his mom has had a lot of polyamorous relationships during her whole life so he was used to that from his home and well then we had a couple of discussions where he said okay ladies first you just try and then I had somebody whom I liked and he was okay with that I started just by having a flirt and when it became a little bit more serious I said, okay, no, let's stop now. I want to talk to my husband. So um, with this guy, I didn't do anything in the place where we were. So it was just talking. Yeah. And then I went home and I discussed it with my husband and he was going like, yeah, go for it. And it was interesting for me. It was a very, well, it was another experience. So that guy was also somebody who treated me in a very, very respectful way. So I enjoyed it somehow, but I didn't, it wasn't a revelation for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I was coming home and saying, yeah, whatever. And I think we made a huge mistake that after that, we didn't talk enough about that. Mm. And we stayed at the level where he was going like, yeah he's so not jealous and I might or I should be thankful for that and I was going like yeah well it was nice but not kind of a revelation and I mean I met with the guy kind of two or three times and then it, we didn't need to break up it just it was just like it didn't work out but as it wasn't a real relationship, we were going like, yeah, let's talk another time. And, and we yeah. didn't. So nobody ghosted, nobody. We could have now a very nice conversation and we would be happy to meet each other. We don't have many interferences in life, but it's, it's friendly, it's mm -hmm. nice. And we treated each other with respect, but we weren't a fit, basically. And then I'm afraid... After this, I was a little bit confused and I didn't reflect too much on it. So mm. I was home again and I had this impression like, yeah, sex can be with anybody. And I enjoyed less sex afterwards. And I don't know how it came. We, we have a very good relationship based on communication, but basically we didn't talk too much about that. And then another kind of five five years went by so we're now together since 20 years <laughs> so to wow. the month um so it's a long time and then um i recruited a young girl from my circle of friends young girl only three years older than my own daughter from my first marriage and she i liked her was very smart and basically i trusted that if he would want something, he would talk to me like I did. So mm -hmm. I thought this would be the blueprint. And uh, this girl was really very close to us. He, she was his co-founder for a business. So they went together to China and so on. And indeed, 
he asked me once, like, yeah, if I wanted to have something with her, would you be okay? And now you probably, if you would interview him and you interview me, you would get other versions. <laughs> he said, I said a hard no. I was going because she was also my friend and only 33 and I knew her relationship. I was going, yeah, it's not the right thing for her. Mm -hmm. So I was basically mummy her in that moment. So I had the feeling um, that she needed, she, she was at a point where she was, well, now it's very hard to talk about her without revealing things. Let's say she's, she was never at the point when she had a real relationship. So mm, she was okay. 30 something ish, but never been in a serious relationship. And I had the feeling also looking at her, like a little bit, like at my daughter, like girl, get a real relationship and then we can talk about playing around. Yeah. Bring some experience to the table. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, not acting. So what was for me very important is that the person with whom my husband would have a relationship wouldn't act from a situation of um, having nothing. Yeah. And that is something that we learned very much. So she was very much looking for the guy to have children with, to start yeah. a life with. And this is basically why it also didn't work out very well. So they had an affair. It was, let's say, not polyamory, but classical cheating. They had an affair for half a year and then they had their coming out. And then we said, okay, let's try a little bit of polyamory. But what this was based on a lie. So the both of them told me that they want to try the polyamory. And let's say my husband is truthful. He didn't, he never wanted to leave me, but she wasn't. She always claimed, she put in my face. And that's something I can tell because this is my own experience. She always said in my face, that she wouldn't want to do anything with my relationship. No, of course not. She's, yeah. She doesn't want to intrude just to have some fun. And at the end of the day, it was very clear that she wanted to break us to break up. Yeah. So, so that kind of forced that whole situation, forced you to like re-examine the polyamory because you're like, well, what do I do? Like you're over here doing this without consulting me. I yes. advised you and her to really think about this. And they just kind of, let's went say, I you. understand now because I, yeah. it was very good for me to sit down and really listen and not to act on the typical patterns. Yeah. So the typical patterns that all movies, all drama teach us is there has been, well, disloyalty or yeah. how would you call it there, there has been cheating yeah you're angry you start to cry you leave him you don't do that to yourself so we don't have this kind of um well of of role models who tell us sit down and listen what was going on yeah but having a relationship of at that point it was 18 almost 19 years I was going like, okay, we are such a good fit in so many levels of relationship, of communication, of living together, of traveling together, of doing things together. That at the point I was going like, no, I'm going to understand what was up. Plus the thing that he never said, I'm so he wasn't 
lying to me. He always claimed that he wanted to go into a, he never said polyamorous, he said another type of model, open relationships. Yeah. So I was warned and I wasn't going like, well, he lied to me for a certain time, but he didn't lie to me in the general ter- terms. And so I wasn't going like I'm leaving him. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, after a while, I found out that this was the plan of this girl because she basically hoped that I put him in front of the door and I say, never, never going to see. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then, but then we had a pause. I was very hurt in the beginnings. And then I said, okay, why not? Let's try. It was pandemic. And we were in the middle of the situation. So it was also a little bit like, okay, the world is totally shut. Basically, we decided that we're going to try. And then, first of all, we did a couple therapy. So we had a psychologist and his colleague who were advising us. I chose deliberately somebody who was not against polyamory because I was very clear if we go to the typical old school couple therapy, it's going to be that kind of, yeah, he needs to leave her and then restart yeah. new and just monogamy. And this wasn't, so I chose the guy who, and the guy and his colleague, a woman, who were going to advise us. And it was good. They gave us a couple of tools to talk to each other, but it was still very hard. And the hardest was to communicate because I was hurt by the betrayal phase mm-hmm. and I, I needed actually him to recognize that it wasn't okay to do it and he didn't want well to be to be wrong yeah 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 and so this was a thing where we needed a long long time to be able to sit down and listen and not going on your strategy was wrong no your strategy was wrong you didn't do that you didn't do that so reproaches and Mm -hmm. expecting some kind of excuses or allowances and basically go down to the level of what are our needs yeah what are our needs and I discovered just to talk for myself that my need is to really still trust that we are the main the primary relationship I know that a lot of polyamorous people don't accept this kind of rankings yeah but I need that and that's something that I, I need to feel that I am the number one. Yeah. And the rest is all the rest. And this is my need. So I need the primary feeling. I need to know that I don't need to, I need that I don't need. So um, I need the feeling that I'm number one, that I have total love, total transparency, and also that we are the ones who decide how we're going to be with others. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, so you kind of set up your whole, like, not so much your rules, but basically your blueprint for how you were going to engage in this and that these are the boundaries that we're setting up. And if we step out of these boundaries, that's going to lead to the problem, not necessarily our partners leading to the problem. Exactly. Well, let's say I, I tried myself during that time. So we started, so beginning of the, of the pandemic, we started. So he had this girl and he was still meeting her a couple of times in the weeks. The problem was she always wanted more. 
So whatever she was getting, she was in that state of, I don't get enough. I'm not good enough. Well, mm. she basically ended the relationship kind of 30 times with him. So it was a constant drama. I tried also myself to do a couple of things. So I went on OkCupid okay and I met a wonderful guy in Italy and his wife too. I didn't have a relationship with both of them, but um, let's say in very friendly terms with his wife. And we only met twice, but we have a very still, we are still writing and so on. I wouldn't say, so for me now at this point, the, 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 the thrill and the erotic is gone, but he's still a very good friend and the person I trust. So I had also this extramarital relationship and to be very honest, it was a, something that I would rather call friends with benefits. Mm -hmm. And I first looked at the friendship thing. Yeah. And for me, it was very important to have on the other side, somebody who's a friend and not somebody who imposes thing of me, he, who claims rights of a relationship. So, mm. and it was the same for him. So I learned in a very soft way. We had also our internal hashtag called Senza Drami, without drama. <laughs> and um, it was for us um, very important to really rely on each other, to communicate always very well. And we established this rule like whatever we're giving each other is going to be okay. And none of us has any rights to claim more. Yeah. We can only ask nicely. And we also agreed that our primary relationship are the most important. Yeah. And in that way, I can also put it in a positive terms that what my husband has had as a relationship with the whole drama he had all the time, which is extremely stressful, like this is something again I can talk about calls at seven o'clock in the morning like ah, my boss is all over the place and I'm so desperate and I'm so nothing and I don't have anybody you know she was a person or she is still a person they don't have anything to do with each other um, very with very let's say with a kind of emotional instability mm -hmm. and so I experienced the relationship that my husband had outside of our relationship as full of drama, full of problems, okay, with a lot of thrill that might be sometimes also very interesting, but as a, as a very stressful thing. And I yeah. learned from this example that this is when I have my own relationships outside of my marriage, this is something I definitely don't want. Yeah. Those are like red flags for you. Like, okay, I see what not to have take place for me because otherwise we're both going to have this added drama and that's might create problems for both of us. Yeah. Yes. That's actually, that's a really good kind of like, um, experiential example to have. I mean, yeah. unfortunately your husband had to deal with that end, but for you to be able to see it and go, no, not yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Was no, not that. And it was also very good when, so I had so far only two relationships. So the Italian guy and another one who is now my friend with benefits. So I have now a um, relationship with somebody uh, here in Berlin. 
And from the very beginning, we have a very, uh, let's call it gentleman's agreement or gentle people's agreement on not creating unnecessary drama. Yeah, that's good. And also not going into the typical, you know, the, the dating playful things. I let him wait, I let her wait, and we need to do that, and we need to do that. So when it comes down to this idea of the polyamory, I think the most important thing is to communicate very clearly on needs, mm. on boundaries, on and yeah, on on everything basically, and also to be super reliable when it comes to appointments, dates, what works, what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And plus, and that's something that for me is extremely crucial, and you'll have it in our Bible, you mentioned already more than mm -hmm. two, the other Bible is the ethical slut, you probably know, about I have it. that one too. Yeah, <laughs> you have that one too. Yeah. It's also protecting yourself from diseases. Yeah. And that's also something that now also in COVID times, it's also so important to know I'm meeting somebody and I'm not going to get home with, I don't know, HIV, <laughs> COVID Delta, yeah. uh, hepatitis or anything else. So this is also something that is very, very important in this polyamorous um, experience. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, yeah, like all the, all the kind of like expectations and the needs and the boundaries that you describe, it's like, I've always seen like those who can do polyamory relationships. It's like those people have already established what a good relationship looks like. You already know what kind of boundaries need to be set up, how to communicate, how to be direct, how to make sure that you're being responsible personally and for the other person. And it seems like it's just a natural evolution. Like we figured this out how can we share this experience with other people? Because in a way I see it as this is how you kind of like help other people do relationships better. Because even if it's a short-term thing, what you're doing is you're engaging in this relationship that's on a completely mature level where you're like, wow, like you have this complete other partner, this whole other life, but you're still making space for me and showing me what's important as your like foundational pillars of a relationship and even if it doesn't last, I take that as a way that you're actually like putting it forward into the universe because you've given someone else like a more evolved example of how to really do a relationship really well. Um, just based on all the stories that I've read about polyamory relationships, right? It's like these people have evolved to such a level and it's almost like, it's not so much that you're getting bored in your marriage or whatever it is, but you start to realize this person can't meet every single need I have. And this person can't share in all the same interests that I have. And this person doesn't want to uh, engage in all these hobbies that I want to. And so realizing that, well, maybe I do need another person for that. And that gives the other partner the freedom to go pursue what they are interested in and what hobbies they like, that you don't have to worry so much about doing everything together and agreeing on everything or sacrificing this for that. It's just, you're just learning how to explore and share more experiences with other people and essentially share love, which, I mean, I come from kind of a Christian influential background. And so like sharing love is kind of like key to yes. humanity. <laughs> and so it's like, well, you're sharing love with other people. And so many people want to box that in and tell you it's wrong. Cause you can only love one person at one time, but that seems really limiting in love. Whereas polyamory is like, love is unlimited. 
let's try it. So I just, I just have a great appreciation for that. And that's what I've like really uh, appreciated from like, even just reading your tweets and like you sharing parts of your story is like, wow, she's even like walking through, like, I feel kind of jealous about this right now, or I don't know how I feel about this. Or I was with my friend with benefit, went home, kind of wish I would have stayed with the friend with benefit. And, and I read that tweet to my husband and he's like, I can relate to that. And I just jokingly, I was like, which friend with benefit do you have? And he's like, no, but you know what I mean? It's sometimes like, you don't want to go back to that. And so it's nice to have an escape where you're feeling a little bit more safe and a little bit more emotionally cared for. And you can kind of break out of those habits. Cause I think those habits that we get stuck in with our relationships can kind of be detrimental. Right. And that's why we need newness and, and spontaneity and different experiences. Totally. And on the other side, talking about that tweet with coming home, um, I added also one sentence and very deliberate. I didn't, I had this in the moment when we had a little conflict. I had this feeling like I wish I would have stayed, but I didn't say it. And that's one of the rules that also our Bibles, the ethical slot and more than two tell us to never use the other to get back yeah. to, to one partner. So this thing, and I experience, you know, when somebody is not showing the appropriate behavior just to go down on needs, and this is the strategy in the moment, but not to try to punish the partner by having the other one. Yeah, And that's a very, very important rule that you you cannot tell your husband, you know, but I get that what you can't give me and you should give me from the other. The point is just to explore, like, for instance, um, my husband doesn't like to dance, right? He dances with me sometimes to make me a joy. And there might be a special atmosphere sometimes at a wedding in a special when Jupiter is in a special quadrant and the light <laughs> is, and I don't know, the temperature is only 23.5 degrees and so on. <laughs> then he might dance with pleasure, but dancing is not something he really loves to do. I love to dance. And so the possibility to let me dance, not even with my friend with benefits, with a friend that we have. And when I go with him on the dance floor, I never had sex with him. I never had an erotic feeling about that. But everybody who sees us on the dance floor believes we have something. Yeah. But it happens only on the dance floor. And this is the thing. I don't go like, you cannot dance. And that's why I dance with this guy. I go like, I enjoy dancing with him and probably everybody believes that we have an erotic thing and we don't have it. We just dance in a very cool way because there is a vibe that works. Yeah. And it stops right there. The moment when you don't have the music and the dance floor, it's nothing. It's just a very good friendship. It's just a dancing connection. Yes. But this is also something that in the typical marriage and so on might go to jealousy. Mm hmm. You know, yeah. if you Jealousy. see your partner dancing with somebody else in a very yeah. maybe tight way, a very erotic way, very erotic movements. Yeah, that's the moment where you might go like, nah, that feels bad. Yeah. And, and what? Yeah. And how often do we actually examine what we're feeling, too? Right. It's like um, I think jealousy has been my biggest monkey on my back when just even having discussions about this 
kind of way of having a relationship, right? It's I'm over here like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'll have another dude on the side. But the thing is, is it's different. Like my husband is bisexual. So he also has more choices than I do. And so for me, I've always said, I'm cool with you being with another guy, but you want to bring another woman into it. And I'm over here like, no, (laughs) no way. We're not doing that. Like I'm cool with us both bringing in a different man. But when it comes to the woman, so that's a jealousy. And so, and I mean, I've explored that. I know a lot of that just has to do with, you know, foundational relationships in my own life, the relationship I had with my mothers and my sisters. So often we don't think about where that jealousy comes from and what it stems from. And I mean, even on top of that, just patriarchal programming, right? Yeah. And this idea that the woman is always the competition. The woman's always going to try and snatch that man from you and you have to keep him on a leash. And it's just for me, that's been the biggest challenge is just really examining the jealousy every time it surges and saying, okay, but what's be what's underneath this? Because that's not about that. Cause I think we've been in the same boat where we have established, like, if this is something we pursue physically, of course, we're both the primary. Right. And I, I, I know what you mean. The references in both, um, more than two and ethical sluts kind of give you, um, a prescription for not doing the primary because it it's too diminishing of the, the other person involved. And I totally understand why, but I've always wanted that too, right? Like I have to be the primary, I have to be numero uno. And, um, (laughs) just in saying that too, I've often felt like that is so limiting of a potential experience, but at the same time, I think that's what helps me kind of rein in my jealousy a little bit in just the discussions, because it's like, if I have that kind of status, I have a little bit more safety, right? And so a lot of people feel like open marriages aren't safe, especially without that primary role, because, well, what does that mean? That means that you can just decide that this person is more important than me and that you're going to leave me. And I think that's just the overarching fear so many people have, right? When it comes to ethical non-monogamous relationships. Yeah, it's a huge thing, but um, I know also a lot of talks on how would you define a relationship, and there are so many different ways to yeah. define it. So I think there is no right or wrong in yeah. that. It's just something where you say, if we start as a couple in this adventure, what do you want and what do I want? Mm-hmm. And maybe is the thing where you say, we need to find something and you need to get to the bottom of our needs. Do not just act by, yeah, this makes me kind of unruled and (laughs) I need to stop it. For instance, just just to grab something from the real life, uh, my husband is totally okay with my friend with benefits coming and spending the night in our own bed. Yeah. Wow. And... I was exploring at the moment. He doesn't have a friend with benefits himself. So I don't know who it is. There might be somebody whom he likes and appreciates and could maybe love. And I think of her like, yeah, if this would be the special person, I wouldn't have a problem at all. But maybe only because she is who she is and I have a very good relation to her. Another person might be not okay for me. Yeah. And this is something where we need a lot of communication and to say what is okay for you and where are the boundaries. Mm. And 
this is also something well there is really a, a new podcast i've heard it but i don't know where it is i can go after it it was a podcast from the guys from more than two who created a podcast especially about the jealousy and they say you shouldn't find only the the stimuli you need to go down to what you need in terms of feelings because if what you need is to have more love a better kind of love, more communication, more understanding, more time together. Where, where is the moment where things start to disturb you? Yeah. Yeah. And this is something that needs a lot of very quiet, very good communication and a lot of time to go into your introspection and to say, okay, this is a problem. This is not a problem. Again, going back to the idea, and I'm going to share something else with you. So um, when my husband came out with this affair that was going on, and I was heard that they didn't tell me, I was heard that it was going behind my back. But in that very moment where he told me, my sexual desire went up. I don't know, it was triggering something in me. Hmm. And I went back to my childhood and I remember that I had a big box of Lego, of the bricks. Mm -hmm. Legos, yeah. And I know, Legos. And sometimes when I was alone with the Legos, I would build with them. But when another child came to my home and started to build with the Legos, I was immediately triggered to, to build again with my Legos. Oh. And so maybe sex with my husband was a little bit kind of my Lego. So when somebody else was interested in my Lego, I got interested again. And I have to say, for our sex life, I'm really still not okay. They, they did it secretly, and I didn't know. And it was also when they came out, it was with a couple of lies in there. But at the end, on the sexual point of view, I'm really even grateful that they did it. That is so interesting. I don't know if you're familiar with Esther Perel. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, and she speaks I, to something like yeah. that, right? Like when you recognize that someone else thinks that your partner is awesome, it's like you see them in a new light. And it's totally. almost like you have this like innate competitive like desire to I, I don't know, remind them or whatever it is, but it's like you see them in a different light when someone else is like flirting with them or like praising them or just wowed by them. And it, I think what the beautiful thing is, is that it reminds you like why you fell in love with that person or why you thought that person was yes. incredible in the first place. Cause someone else can see it. And you're like, wait, I thought I was the only one that saw that. And then when someone else sees it, it like, it like just electrifies you inside. So I think that's a great point. And I mean, I found that to be true too. Like there were a couple of men that I was spending time with and it was like, whenever I would come back from hanging out with this person, my husband was like ready to go. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. This is weird. But it, it did. It activated our sex life in such a positive way. And more than that, we it's like we were reminded to be more appreciative of each other. Right. Especially when I had this other man that was appreciating me and 
and, and flirting with me and making me feel really great. And so then my husband was like, well, am I doing that enough? Like, maybe I need to show more appreciation. And then when he was talking to a, he was talking to a woman that did not last very long. Cause I did not handle it very maturely at all. <laughs> but when he was, it, it made me like, I just wanted to jump him all the time. And it's like, oh, she thinks you're good too. Okay. Me too. And it just makes you want them. And so that was part of the, the, the whole like dynamic that I was like, well, this is how it's beneficial, right? Because it reminds us why we love each other so much, because if someone else loves them, we're like, yeah, you see it. Maybe not only the love because the love is there and the partnership, but it's, it's maybe really, let's call it by the name. It's sexual desire is doing something so this is really something where I say I wasn't okay with the secrecy and everything but the simple presence of this other relationship basically made me horny yeah. you know I was yeah. really it was interesting it was suddenly something new we were exploring the new things and I have the impression that this is also something that for my husband too and I understood the moment where he he has also an extramarital relationship. His whole, his whole sexual drive is more there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is something I really never had a problem with. It was okay for me, basically, because I don't know, going also into sexual fantasies, thinking of other people and so on. We never did a swinger thing. We never experimented with others. It, the two of us but the simple thought of experimenting around is something that arouses me and does something with me so mm-hmm. have for him having a sexual relationship was really absolutely okay yeah yeah even going into some play that she was his sex slave and so on so we we played a little bit around <laughs> with all those nice things. that was nice but it was just imagination. So going back to something that you said, like if you're noticing that like some woman that he might be pursuing, is just problematic. Like that younger person was, do you guys have like kind of an agreement? Like if he doesn't like who you're with, or you don't like that he's with, you have a conversation and do you make like an agreement to, to stop that relationship? We didn't agree on a general basis. Um, I would be ready. Let's say it's, let's only talk about me. I think I would be ready when he were too hurt or too not okay with a relationship I have. Maybe not to say, okay, if you say so, then no. But really to put him in the first place and then... Yeah maybe find somebody else he's extremely tolerant i'm not let's say with this younger woman i think we would have had a chance to start the polyamory right from the very beginning because in my memory when i said no it was more because of her and not because of us right okay so, so I was, I was feeling responsible for her, even if we shouldn't do things that yeah, I brought you were her being into more our, considerate of her. Yeah. I was very considerate of her. And I also didn't want also to have a young person suffering because she's going to be yeah. 
she had to deal with being the number two. And I think she didn't want to be a number two. Yeah. You know, that was, that was one of the signs of the woman my husband was talking to that I didn't like, you know, and I was, of course I did it. I did it so immaturely in the end, but in the beginning I was like, she is fresh off of a divorce. She has little kids. She is a few years younger than us. I don't think she can handle this. And I really don't think you should continue giving her that space to be open to it because what ended up happening was she did come at me and was like, I will take your man. And I was like, wow, like that wasn't even on the table, but I think that is important. Like when you are pursuing a relationship dynamic like this is that you are being considerate of the other person and you're not just like looking at them as an object. Right. And I think that's reiterated in both the ethical slut and more than two is that that other person is important whether or not you order them in a hierarchy where they're primary or not, but it's just like being considered of the other person and knowing like, this is a big kind of relationship. And if you don't have the experience, or maybe you don't even have the support system, you can't handle this. And I don't want you to go through that pain and suffering because this isn't a competition for me, but it might end up being a competition for you. And in the end you will get hurt. And so I think that is really important. So and making sure that you develop that awareness for another person. So with that being said, do you and your husband, do you meet each other's friends? Do you, do you hang out? Do you do dinner or do you keep it separate? Let's say, yes, we did. So at the moment, we're only in the situation when I have a friend with benefits and he doesn't kind of so we're not in an actual situation when we have the, the the real balance but in terms of my friend with benefits yes we we did dinners not very much because nobody has so much time so if yeah. i have to spare my time i'd rather be the two of us we might think of a threesome but it's not already done deal but yeah. uh, the guys like each other the guys even hug each other for hello and um it it seems very very well oh you're lucky what, that's what i want from, <laughs> from what i feel and and have let's say at point is and that's something i realize um and you shared that your your husband is bisexual i think it's easier to deal with men than with women yeah from also all the other lesbian gay uh, transsexual and so on if i would pile up the amount of drama and i hope i'm not hurting anybody because we're both women but i have the instance they 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 the impression that the the the, the female side of the world deals has a little bit more drama in it than the guys ain't that the truth and this is also something where i include myself also Mm -hmm. seeing how my jealousy was triggered jealousy or don't want that or i want it differently or i want something else and sophistication like not in the bedroom but there and there's okay and so on Mm -hmm. and then the guy who say ever take care that we're not infecting each other with anything and then go for it you You know know, it's like harry and sally in front of a salad (laughs) you know and do you think and i mean obviously there's exceptions to this but i think overall men are really good at compartmentalizing right they can separate the rational from the emotional 
and women, we're just like a big gob of it all. And so I agree with you in that, right? It's like when, even when my husband was talking to a man that was so not even interested in me at all, right? He was like, eh, okay, whatever. I'm not, I don't care. He was interested in my husband. And I was okay with that. I wasn't jealous. He was talking to him on the phone all the time. They were talking about hanging out. I didn't care. But when it came to another woman, it was almost like, okay, I know what kind of energy she's bringing. Cause that's the kind of energy that's in me. And if we're just going to keep matching each other's enemy, that's just going to be or energy. That's just going to be a big freaking chaotic conflict. And so I would agree with you. I think overall, what I have um, just taken away from the people that I have talked to, it seems like polyamory. Um, and again, exception to the rule, I I'm speaking from a very narrow, narrow perspective, but it seems like the men benefit from polyamory <laughs> more than the women, like even just following, like, say for instance, the writers of the more than two book, I don't know if you know this or not, but they kind of split ways. They don't talk to each other anymore. Franklin and Eve. And they don't talk to each other. I don't know that. Yeah. Well, I follow both of them on Twitter. They've had kind of a Twitter war between each other. So they wrote that book and they are, yeah, they split ways, but it, she still seems to have a lot of, you know, she still has a lot of emotions about what had transpired. Whereas he's kind of just moved on to do his own next project. And I think that's so typical really of men and women in that difference between us is that women are, are attached by their emotions. And so we really have to consider that our emotions are going to like outweigh everything, even reason when you're talking about doing a a non-monogamous kind of relationship, because you are balking at every status quo and every construct and every paradigm that you have been prescribed as normal. And so for me, I'm just, there's always wrestling in my head. Right. And my husband's like, what is this so hard? Just cut dry. And it's just like, I can't do it like that. And so, I mean, that's not a reason for, or against any of that. It's just my own kind of self-awareness of how I am. And I can assume that that might be the case for most other women, but at the same time, I have been open to it because I think, well, this is an opportunity for me to learn how to relate to women better. Right. And to really expand my mind to the whole feminine divine and be open to it and want to really integrate the fullness of it all. But then again, going back to the jealousy and the competitive nature of women and blah, 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 blah. So you have all those different challenges. And I mean, I'm still wrestling through them. I haven't, I think I changed my mind about it too all the time. I'm like, take it (laughs) off the table, babe. Okay. We're putting it back on the table, honey. Take it back off the table, honey. And he's just like, whatever you want, honey, just let me know. I think you're very hockey with whatever you want. Yes, 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 exactly. Yes. Yeah, I think, I mean, there is no thumb rule to how to to do it and anything, but I think that really in terms of sharing, men might be easier. Mm -hmm. And what you said, um, they might compare to Malaysia, that word that you said. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think the most important thing at the end is really to be aware of your own feelings, to to take full responsibility about how you feel. And also, you know, that things that the ethical slot and the Bibles are teaching you, I think they're not only 
the Bibles for polyamory. There are Bibles for human relationship. Truly. And really having some own rules. So what the whole experiment gave me is also, and it relates also if I'm talking with my, my daughter or if I'm talking with my business partner and so on, it's really the point that I am responsible for my own feelings and no, nobody would make me feel anything that I don't want to feel. Mm. Sometimes my feelings come from inside and they might be stimulated or triggered by somebody else. And then I need to see what do I need in order to have a feeling pass by or to get satisfaction or to really fulfill my need and then take action to be able to fulfill my need. And coming back to the jealousy, the jealousy was always coming from, I don't get something that somebody else gets. Yeah. And the point is just to go to the root of it. And it's not the point that maybe if you get enough cuddling, it's not a problem to let your husband cuddle also somebody else. Yeah. If you don't have enough cuddling, if you go from a sen sensation of frustration because you don't get and you don't articulate what you need and then you, you, you won't get it, then you get less and less. And this is the basis where I'm working with jealousy and with all that is to say, hey, I'm going to sit down and I'm see how can I put jealousy, what are the components? Mm -hmm. Is it frustration? Is it anger? Is it anger with a certain person? Is it anger with myself? Is it anger with something in my life that doesn't work that well? And sometimes you find out there is something else in your life that isn't okay and you need to fix it before starting to evolve and erupt around jealousy. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's just, you're just feeling excluded too. I mean, I think I, that's what my jealousy is really about. It's like, well, if you're giving her attention, who's giving me attention. And then he would say, well, that's why you're supposed to have somebody too. So then you get attention. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, a lot of, I, I just noticed a lot of my jealousy is just from me feeling excluded, me feeling like all of the focus and attention wouldn't be on me. Right. Because and I think that's a part of, especially the American program is your husband better look at only you and nobody else. And if he's looking elsewhere, you know, that's a reflection of you. And that means you're doing something wrong. And we are told that, you know, we are responsible for our men's strain and that's just bullshit, right? Like that's, that's not true. And to put it on women like that, especially under any kind of a Christian lens is just, it just screws with all of us. And so, yeah, again, just going back to the more than two and the ethical slut, just, I mean, especially the relationship bill and rights that Franklin uh, Vero and Eve Reichart did. Yeah. I was like, I never thought about doing this for myself just within my own relationship. Yes. But then again, expanding that outward into all of the relationships, right? You're learning how to treat each other with more respect and more regard, with more so compassion and consideration. Don't you want that to trickle into all of your relationships? And so I'm finding that that has taught me uh, just exploring polyamory has taught me a lot about being more attentive to all of my relationships, my relationships with my kids and my grandson and my friends and whomever, right? Not just my husband, but wow, it trickles into everything. And when you it trickles into grandson? everything, I do have a grandson. 
He's oh too Oh my old. God, you don't yeah. look like. <laughs> I'm, I'm 41 next week. So. Okay. <laughs> I started young. I had you my first young. daughter at 18 and then she had, she had her son at 18. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Get it over with young so I can still have yeah, fun. I, I, I did it, but she didn't do it. Then again, <laughs> she's going like chill mom. Chill mom. <laughs> she's like, my I'm name not is in a rush. Chill mom. <laughs> no, exactly. No, no, that's very interesting. There is also one point that I wanted to point out, and that's very interesting, and I'm still chewing on it, is how the other people react to that. And I'm living in a metropole of the world where people are not, you know, like in small villages or something like that, but there is still among the friends and people who really don't understand this kind of principle. So we are living in a culture that is so not based on the idea of polyamory. Oh, yeah. And people are going like, yeah, and how do you do it? And how does that work? And, you know. I know, I know. That's sometimes I think it's harder than to deal it with my guys, the rest of the world. Yeah, it really is. It's, um, yeah, it's definitely not something you can just talk about to anybody because they'll either give you some sin narrative from the Bible, or they'll just give you some ethical bullshit that it violates something you know, or they will give you the the projection. I think that's the worst. Mm. And that's what I experienced. People who project then their own fears on you and they want you just to stop with the, the concept because people who are extremely jealous and they see that this happens and then people do it and then if you come up with a sentence yeah that happens in monogamy too but people don't talk about it then they explode yeah i mean yeah because uh infidelity is exceedingly high especially here in the united states but it's just that thing nobody talks about but it's like i wonder if you would have considered talking about it and maybe just changing your boundaries if you would have, you, you could have saved yourself from that kind of suffering and that kind of pain because you would have explored what needs and desires aren't being met. And if I can't meet them, what can or who can and how can we meet them? But it seems like everyone just expects your partner to be a mind reader. And I'm always like, no, 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 no. Like communication is lubrication. You have to talk in order to get everything going. And so if you're not talking, then you're really not knowing. And I think what's interesting is I've, I've talked to some people who were so adamantly opposed to the idea of polyamory, but then once they explored it, they were like, holy crap, what it did for my marriage was amazing. And even if it's just a short time thing, right? Like some people do it forever. Other people just go through a phase or maybe a cycle here and there. But what they recognize is that it's so beneficial for their, their, their marriages or their primary relationships, or just how it impacts the way that they see the world. And yeah. I think that's for me what it's been about. So like we had this, we had this original hypothesis where if it was something along the lines of like, can you really know your friend until you have sex with them was kind of this like joking hypothesis my husband and I had. Yeah. And what I had realized was like, okay, well, sex puts you in such a vulnerable position with another person and that yeah. you see them in such a different light. If we went that route with just friends and made all your friends a friend with benefit, And not even if you maintained a sexual relationship with them, but just doing it that once, how much could it transform the relationship? 
and how much could it transform the way that you interact with each other? Right. Cause I thought, yes, we do all the sex with each other and then we try and understand each other more. And then we see each other in a different light. And what would be the problem if you did that, especially friends like that you've had forever and you notice that there's that tension there, but it's just the big elephant in the room that you never talk about what would happen if you just did it and then talked about it, you know, and, and it, for us, it was always about how can what we do in our home affect change out there, right? Because what would Gandhi say? You can only change the world if you can change it in your house. Or maybe it wasn't Gandhi, Deepak Chopra. I said, <laughs> said that, I think. But, and, and that was really true. And I was like, that's true. Like if we can't make changes in our home and figure out how to make transformations within our relationships, we can't impact the external world at all. And so that was our that was just our little, you know, silly hypothesis. What if we fucked our friends? Would that make our friendships better? But in the end, I mean, I still, I think that's, I think that's a possibility, you know, and if people would be more open to that, how much tension it could cut down, how much jealousy it could erode and, and how much compassion it could create within communities, but it's too scary. So nobody <laughs> wants to do it. Scary. <laughs> it's super scary. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a lot of work to do and a lot of convincing and a lot of self-assessment. But actually, I, I have to say, summing up again, I grew up in, with a very jealous father and I grew up in this mentality, find that one person and then leave a lot open. But probably in my imagination, I wouldn't have needed or wanted to have another guy with whom I have sex, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this wasn't on my neat horizon. And my husband was coming from another culture. So his mom had a lot of extramarital relationships. They were on a don't ask, don't tell basis. And so he grew up or basically as a child he didn't know anything he didn't notice anything but growing up at a certain point she confessed to him but she never spoke with his father about it mm. years later now after her his mom's death he found out that her father his father knew so that his wife was having things and he was totally okay with that so very relaxed very not Thanks. And a little bit, if you want a little bit French mentality, like, yeah, you have lovers and it's still yeah. okay. Yeah. Because it's women very, are insatiable anyway, right? Like that was yeah. European women are insatiable and take lovers. Especially and the French. Live like the French. Yeah. Mais bien sûr. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oui, oui. Oui, oui. oui On oui. fait ça. <laughs> C'est la joie de vivre. Um, wait. And and he came from that and he opened me and the first time when I when I tried I wasn't probably I wasn't ready it wasn't probably with the right person and now by him doing it so I can tell you I'm still cross with him that he did it without taking me along and then we had this drama and everything mm -hmm. bad so I didn't like that but at the end I can see it also as a beneficial thing yeah and I'm Again, very proud of me that I didn't go by the typical patterns of, yes, you betrayed me, now I leave you. And I stayed there and I worked with him through 
And I think it made our relationship and our marriage and our sex life even better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is in my marriage history, I was unfaithful to my husband. So we got married. We got married right away in January. He deployed to Iraq in April. And by September, I was pregnant with another man's baby. And so he came home on leave, me pregnant with another person's baby who happened to be in his unit and worked with him. So, I mean, we had the full effect of the drama and I mean, we healed through that, right? Like he like was like, I forgive you. And I was like, what? Like how? Like you can't, like I, I did the most horrible thing. Like I cheated on you while you were fighting for our country. How could you do this? Right. But we went from that. And then it was, it was, it was almost a decade later where he revealed to me that he was bisexual and that had this interest in pursuing, you know, experiencing another man. But it was, I think he would have never gotten to that point in revealing himself to me fully. And then talking about this, had I not cheated on him. Right. So it's like in a crazy way, that experience like gave him more trust and faith in me that I could hold everything that he actually wanted to share with him, with me. And then that I could hold space for that without judgment. And I mean, obviously it took us like a decade to really work through all this because I mean, we're crazy another man's baby. Right. And, and, and wow. that's a, that's a, that's a big, that was a big thing for him to like really come to terms with and accept because everyone in his life was like, fuck that. You have to leave her. You're done. Screw that. But he was like, I said for better or worse, and this is the worst thing that could happen to me. So moving on, but it's just interesting that you say that you had that betrayal. And so I have that in my history too. We have that betrayal, but I mean, he will constantly say if it had not been for that betrayal, he wouldn't have looked at everything the way that he does now. Right. And he wouldn't have seen this as a possibility that we could embark on together because he would have been trapped in, I mean, cause he was jealous. He was such a jealous person before I cheated on him. But then it was like, after I cheated on him, he never questioned me again. And I never betrayed him again after that either. Right. Like I was like, wow, that was ultimate forgiveness. I am not going to throw that away, but that's what it led us to. Right. Is like sometimes that betrayal can really be a benefit. And sometimes it takes a long reflective process to get there, but that's how we can look in those things that make us suffer, suffer as a gift too. Right. It's like we grow from it and we learn from it and we reflect from it. We, we learn not to do it again, but it can bring us such great gifts later on in the future that we don't really think about that in the moment of our anger and betrayal and pain. So well, it's interesting. Like we both kind of have that in the background. Thing. Yeah. To look it's back amazing on it. It's thing that you have this relationship. And I think the relationship, it's like a creature on its own at the end. That's yeah. what we always say. It's, it's something we need to take care about. And sometimes this creature, our relationship is sometimes damaged and then we need to nourish it again and to, to yeah. make sure it's, it's flourishing again. So maybe it's something we, we need to invest time and um, a lot of soul in there and communication and everything. And the point is, I think, I, I don't know how you relate because it was at the beginning of your relationship. Probably I wouldn't have been able to deal with such a betrayal in our first years, but after 
18 and a half, 19 years, it was so that the thought was that everything else in our lives was so fulfilling of care, of course, with up and downs, but you don't throw that away. Right. And exactly. that's something that, that one mistake. Me also yeah. to say, okay, there is a need behind this, call it mistake or not mistake or whatever you call it, something that wasn't right for me. It was right for him at that point. And there's a point where we, I, I don't even disagree with that. It was right for him and I can understand his reasons. It was just not okay for me. Yeah. But we can look at it and I can go around and I can see his perspective and he can see mine. And then we say, okay, if something like that, some wishes, some needs are happening again, how can we not go into the same pattern? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe afterwards, because I was so hurt because it was secret, because I felt this, this forces in there, maybe I was also too restrictive of his relationship when we agreed, then let's try polyamory. I was still very hard on, you see, only one time per week, and she's not allowed to call in the morning, and this is disturbing me, and this and this, mm -hmm. where probably in another situation when we would start on a better agreement basis, I would be probably a lot more soft and say, whatever, darling, then go for two nights or yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I like that you point that out. Like when we have a misstep in a marriage, especially after you've been in it that long, it's like, I've put so much time and effort into this relationship that to say that it's worth ending over this, just this one mistake when I've had, you know, thousands of wonderful experiences, how, how could I do that? Right. I think I mean, in, in the United States, like 54% of marriages end in divorce. And it's like, yeah. why are you going to commit to something, even saying those vows for better or worse, if you really don't mean like, I, I can't handle that. I can't handle the hard stuff. Yeah. Like, where is that in, in your, in your contract before you get married? Like, Oh, if it gets really bad, I'm just, I'm going to flee. We should be able to talk about things. But I mean, I just really appreciate that. Um, my parents, ended their, their marriage over a one mistake. And I think that has always bothered me. Right. Cause I was like, how do you do that? Like you saw what me and, and, and my husband went through, mom, like, how are you holding dad to this weird standard? You know, my dad was talking to a woman from Sweden on the internet and that was it talking. for her talking video chatting, you know, Skyping, yeah. talking to each other in another room. Yes. It was secret. He was keeping it from her, but I just thought you threw 30 years away because he was just talking to another woman, not realizing that he was looking for someone to talk to mom. He was looking for someone to talk to where were you? Right. And that's that whole, we don't like to take accountability when something bad happens. And I noticed that yeah. that happened with my mother is it was all my dad's fault, but it's like, when there is a conflict in our relationship, if we're not willing to see my part in it, if you're only focusing on your, on their part, you're just not going to have a good relationship because if you're not taking accountability for your participation, your engagement, your role, your position, whatever words you've said throughout that relationship, then you're acting like you have, you have no responsibility for the relationship, which is a common trend, right? A lot of people don't want to take responsibility for relationships. I've had people say, of course we're friends until you unfriend me. And I'm like, what does that mean? What? Yeah. What does that mean? I have to, I have to take on the burden of the whole relationship and I'm the one that decides when it's over. That doesn't seem like you're fully participating, but 
we're not. And I think yeah. a lot of that just goes into that. Where are they teaching us how to have relationships? Right? Like, no, we don't have great model examples on, on the TV or the Netflix or anything. So we don't know how to have relationship and therefore we run from it whenever it gets a little wishy-washy. Totally my point. I mean, that's something we can add as a polyamorous community and also working on the topic of relationship. I would like to see more example of people who in the moment where a betrayal or something else happens in a marriage, in a relationship, don't go get drunk and end the relationship. It's yeah. so easy to end things, but yeah. to really work through and stay there and see what does the other need? What do you need? What's not okay? Is building up things. It's, it's a long way to go. So that's what yeah. I'm up to. Well, listen, my dear, I need to go a little bit. I get that. It, yeah. We've in been the middle going of for a while here. And, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's say, let's, um, what and now you told me that you're looking at polyamory i'm now curious myself with you um so you're looking at this idea but on the other side you don't dare to go there so neither you nor your husband have relationships with others at the at the moment you're just exploring or how how is your situation now yeah so okay so there was this one guy in my life I was, and I mean, he was coming over, having lunch with me and hanging out with the kids. You were like, alone. Um, we were alone. Well, kind of. We lived on a farm, which is also a business. And so my husband was there on the site. It's not like he didn't see him. And they had a friendship kind of, but he was more my friend. And it did develop into something very romantic and, and, and close, but it, it, it was like, he wanted me all to himself. Okay. And I was never going to give him that. And that was a big problem. And he didn't want, um, he didn't want to include my, my life. He just wanted me. He wanted to cut my kids out. He wanted to cut my husband out and that didn't flow for me. And so I developed very strong feelings. I told him I loved him. Um, and I told him I was willing to have this relationship with him but he had a big problem with, with, with Corey, my husband, knowing about it. He didn't want my kids to know about it. Um, and it all had to be this secret and confined and, and contained to just him. Yeah. And that just wasn't for me. And that's not, that's not what I had signed up for. And I, yeah. and that was the kind of the situation with the woman my husband was talking to is she wanted it to be all for her. And we were like, well, eh, you know, that's not working right now. Um, we're taking applications, you know, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's really fun. No, I mean, we're still open to it. Right. And, and, and taking it slow and going through the process, but we also just moved to a very, very, very small, quiet, conservative town. And so I think we probably won't be too vocal about it here. Okay. Um, and we'll just kind of, I think we're just waiting for what the universe has to reveal to us and we'll, we'll be open to it. Right. And see it as a gift and pursue what we can. <laughs> so well, <laughs> fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I mean, yeah. it is, it is a very comforting thing in life to find somebody who fits and where you can go into this kind of relationship where you say we're experimenting together, but we do it from a 
point of view of full respect. And for me, mm -hmm. for instance, what was also the point with that Italian guy, I had a relationship and also with my current friend with benefits, I want to have the feeling, oh, uh, wait a moment. No, 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 don't leave meeting. I just pushed the wrong button. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so okay. I, I rephrase now. So I, I need also the feeling that the person with whom I'm engaging in terms of a friend of a benefits for me is fully respecting my life, my marriage, yeah. and the person I love, my husband. Yeah. And this is the biggest thing that I have in mind. And I never had in this both relationship I had since we started and also the first one back in 10 years ago when I had, so the three guys I've been experimenting with since I've been married, none of them made the slightest approach to say, I don't respect your husband. Yeah. I don't respect your marriage. And they were totally on that deal. We are having fun in this kind of area that is called friendship with benefits. And for me, this is also the proof that this is a friendship because would we accept to be in a friendship with somebody else who would go against our style of life, our husband, our right. marriage, our kids or anything. Right. So exactly. that's no. why I call it. That's why I also like to call it not lovers, but friend with benefits because it starts with me and that's what I need in an extramarital relationship. I need the friendship. Yeah. And the basic definition of a friend is that he or she, they respect my life, my husband, my relationships, my way of life, my work and everything. Yeah. And don't start to go against it. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, yep. And like I said, I mean, I'm open to that. And I think that's, I think that should be a really like fundamental component for all relationships is that you have that friendship component and then thereafter it just continues to be a benefit to you yes. um so i will and to you... them too of course i mean it's yes. not only about me it's yeah. also respect i respect this other yep. person and showing that respect is also to be a very clear deal when are we going to meet how time will i how much time will i have not and also the transparency because for instance those two guys i had sent now all, all three of them that i've experimented since we we started to do things like that um they were very very keen to be transparent to not do something wrong to my husband mm -hmm. and also to not do something that is damaging him yeah. And it was very interesting because after he was having this relationship, for instance, the Italian guy was very, very interested. And he, he asked very, very precise questions. And I was going at a certain point when I was answering, I was like, is it that you want to make sure I'm not getting back to him by being with you? And he said exactly that. That's something that I owe to myself. Mm -hmm. And this is also self-respect, yeah. just being together with a person, not for hurting a third person, but just yeah. for the sake of a friendship, of sex, of having fun together. Yeah. And the, the guy that I was um, seeing, he was not respectful to my husband at all. He would knock him down and diminish his character, take digs at him and 
Yeah. I mean, and, and I, and in hindsight, I, I took it too long. Like I tolerated it too long because I wanted to see if this would work, but, and I was making too many sacrifices for like really the sacredness of my own relationship in an effort to do this thing. And so after that all kind of ended, I, I did take a long kind of reflective pause just to be like, well, when we had just moved too, so I was like, we're moving yeah. and we're rooting ourselves in a new area, but it's like, you know, I, I, maybe it's just the cold months where you're, you're bored and you don't have anything to do. Your mind wanders. <laughs> and definitely and that you goes, have a pandemic going on. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, it's nice to be able to, um, open back up to the idea and put the discussion back on the table. And I mean, just having this conversation with you has answered so many questions that I've had and is really kind of like, I don't know, um, maybe diminish some of the fears that I've had just by hearing from a real life person, like that you can get through these things. So that I, I think, um, I mean, that's, that's good for all the people that are listening to, if this is something that they're considering to just be mindful of the respect and the consideration of the self, the relationship and the other people. And with that, I will let you go. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. It's thank been an too. amazing conversation. And thank you too. And thank you also for sharing your life, your experiences, your questions. So I think I discovered myself a lot of insight in just answering your questions. So um, thank you for that. (laughs) Good. We can be a mirror for each other and reflect things. I love that. With pleasure. We can meet again in a couple of months and see what evolves from there. Let's Let's stay in touch. Let's do that.